Coming up on today's show. And uh, I'm sitting there at the award show at a table with Carrie Underwood and Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears. You know what I mean? The, the guest, I'm the guest of honor. And it, it was the lowest point of my life. Raise them up. I'm talking about a lighter on a Saturday night. The band plays a song you like and you sing it along. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Be sure you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter I only send out on Wednesday when a new episode of this show comes out. So make sure you are signed up to receive that for free to your inbox. If you're not already getting it, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop your email address into the sign-up box. I do publish exclusives in there from time to time, so don't miss out. I love hearing from listeners of this show. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Hand on your heart for your stripes and stars. Black Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player with over 65 million airplays of his songs. He has gotten three Grammy nominations as a writer and as a musician and earned a Golden Globe nomination as well. He has been inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame, is a two-time BMI Songwriter of the Year, and a three-time NSAI Songwriter of the Year. He was one of Billboard Magazine's top five writers eight years in a row. At one point, he had over 500 songs cut in an eight-year period by over 100 artists with 95 singles released off more than 75 gold and platinum records with over 50 million records sold. You've been hearing a song of his called Raise Em Up? Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Jeffrey Steele. Hello, Bruce, and hello to your fantastic audience. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's great to have you on the show. I appreciate making time. There's no way we can cover so, so much that you've done over your illustrious career, but we'll still dig into lots of it. Let's start by having you share with the audience about the song of yours that was just playing called Raise Em Up, especially since I was talking over it and they couldn't hear the lyrics. Well, I think uh, a song like Raise Them Up uh, came to me at a time in my uh, career that it, it's one of those get-to songs. You know, you write a lot of songs through your career and, you know, you learn and you reflect and you, and you, and you observe and you, as, as time goes on, you have different perspectives, you know. And, and as when this idea came in front of me, it was just at a time in my life when I was, well, I was about 15 years sober at that point, mm. and I'd been through a lot of things in my life. Uh, everybody goes through stuff in their life, right? But it's what we it's what we turn that stuff into. And I'd been through just a lot of stuff. And so when the idea came, the idea was basically kind of a you know let's go out and have a good time idea. You know let's let's raise up our lighters, let's raise up you know let's raise up the party, the beers. And, and let's raise up our trucks, you know, and, and as I was pulled into the song, I, I was getting this different perspective and, and, and I could feel the song starting to shift and, 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 and just looking at the world and where the world's at right now and, and, and how important uh, 
um, you know, our kids are in our lives and, and kids are taking this thing over in a couple of years, you know, 10, 15 years, they'll be taking it all over from us. <laughs> so my perspective was, if you're going to raise up a whiskey glass, make sure you're making a toast. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to, if you're going to, if, if you're going to raise, you know what I mean? I was looking for yeah. perspectives of like, if you're going to raise something up, make, make it mean something. So I, I was, and I wrote it with one of the greatest Nashville songwriters, um, Tom Douglas, me and Tom have been writing together over the years. And Tom's just one of my favorite guys. And we're old buddies. And we were writing with a young kid at the time named Jaron Johnston. And he's the guy that brought us into the song. So <laughs> we were both kind of getting this older guy perspective, you know, of like, what what it really meant to us and we could see the song it, it just slowly started evolving into the very payoff at the end which is you know you then you you finally meet somebody and you and you find a place to live and you you make a stand and you make a pledge to that person and you, then you make some love and then the babies come and then what are you going to do you're going to raise them up and and the song just took on a whole complete shift of meaning so that's why it really it's 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 one of my favorites through the years. And, and I, I, you know, I usually don't say much about songs I wrote. I just, I just try to do the work that I see in front of me. And, and, and cause people always say, well, which one's your favorite, but this <laughs> one just holds a place. It holds a place for me. You know, there's a lot that I like about that story, but the part that I focused on is when you talked about, you came into it and the more that you spent with it, you started to see the song shift. And I think that someone who has had such a long writing career, such as yourself, gets excited when you see that happening. And I yeah. envision a young songwriter getting nervous when all of a sudden the song takes a, a big shift like that. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's happening. What's happening right now. You know, what's wait a minute. This wasn't what the idea was. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Sometimes, you know, you got to walk up on the ladder and, and when you've been around for 45 years, you, 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 you're kind of up on the ladder looking down on the thing more than you are standing in front of it, you know? Mm. So, so that's, that's kind of where, I just went, wow, man, this could be, you know, live your life. You know, like there, there's a part, there's a part in the bridge where it says, you know, get, get your white sails sailing down to Mexico. You know, it's just a whiskey glass. If you ain't making a toast, lift your tear filled eyes up to the sky. You're coming home. You've been gone so long, but tonight we're going to raise them up. You know, it, it, it just, it, it, the whole song became a tribute, really a tribute to all the great things uh, about being living in America, you know, like uh, all the things that we, we love and, 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 and chase after and, and fail at a million times to try to <laughs> succeed at because that's what we can do. And yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think that Jaron, um, Jaron was already a very established writer, but being the young guy in the room, I think he kind of went, wow, these old guys, <laughs> these guys <laughs> you know, they really got a perspective now on, on, they got a perspective on, on what this could really be, you know? And that's what I try to do all the time when I write. I always try to step back and go, what's another angle to hit this from? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like what's, instead of the obvious angle, what's, what's another angle? And, and that's kind of where I live. Outstanding. You know? Outstanding. So, so many aspiring songwriters and or artists move to L.A., New York, or Nashville for their music career. Jeffrey, you were actually born and raised in the greater Los Angeles area, Burbank specifically, and close to 30 years ago, moved to Nashville. Tell us about your journey from the Sunset Strip to Music Row, including why you headed to Tennessee rather than sticking with the L.A. music scene. It's, Bruce, it is so crazy. Um, and I always, you know, talk to young kids about this because I, I work with young songwriters. Um 
you know, life, it's a moment, man. We're, we're, life is a moment that you're in and everybody's worried about their future and their, what they did in their past or what, you know, but you can only do what you're doing right now. Like you and me talking is right now, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, I always try to say that you have to try You have to try your best to stay right where you are in this moment and look around at what's going on. So I'm in Los Angeles, Hollywood, basically on the sunset strip in the 70s, late 70s and early 80s, in one of the biggest musical eras ever, with the Eagles and you name it, Van yeah. Halen. Yeah. Uh, you could go to the Troubadour and you could go to the Whiskey-A-Go-Go and you could see anybody, the police, the pretenders, uh, Tom Petty, you know, like that mid-70s to, to 80s period. I was there in the mix of that as a younger teenager, just getting my education, basically. I was learning how to play. I was, I was copping everything, every riff I heard. I started getting work in the studios um, as a singer, uh, as a, a session singer. So, I, I, you know, I was doing jingles and singing on other people's records and mm-hmm. just knocking my head against the wall trying to get a record deal uh, during the 80s. And that was kind of during the punk rock and I'll say... Uh, like the heavy, the heavy hair metal band era in LA, you know, the mm-hmm. poisons, the guns and roses. It was that era. It was coming up, you know? And, and as I was like, just banging my head on the wall, trying to get a record deal. Uh, and my dad would always beat me over the head about listening to country music and listening to Merle Haggard and listening to <laughs> Willie Nelson. And I never would, you know what I, and I, and I finally gave in. I, this is so true. I, I'm, I'm going to make this, it's a long story. I'm so sorry, Bruce, but, but I get to this place, you know, like, where I like, wow, Merle Haggard's amazing. Mm. Merle Haggard is amazing. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm in this cover band playing up in Bakersfield, making 50 bucks a night and just love it. But I've got all this rock and roll influence. Mm. I've got all these influences that I grew up with in these bars in Hollywood, you know? So at some point as this hair metal scene was taking over the eighties, I started going around to the clubs. I started seeing Dwight Yoakam and bands like Los Lobos, um, there was just like this burgeoning roots rock country scene yeah. developing yeah. in Los Angeles in, in the late mid eighties. And I, I, and Buddy Miller was there and Lucinda Williams and, and all these musicians now that you, that we know that it came like myself and all these people that came out of LA and in that era, I started gravitating towards it because I I'd just fall in love with Merle Haggard lyrics. Mm. I just, he became the most amazing lyricist to me. And so I started following Dwight around and going to see him in all these clubs. And the next thing I know, I put together this kind of rootsy kind of country band, but it's kind of like with my influences, my rock and roll influences. And then it's a long, long story, but at at some point in the mid eighties, I met these three other guys in this band called boy howdy. It was like a bluegrass, almost metal band. And, and I thought like, oh my God, I found my calling. <laughs> so I joined, I joined this crazy band of like amazing musicians that were like, they're rockers, but they were bluegrass guys. It was the craziest thing. And we started playing this LA country scene in Hollywood. Hmm. And, and it's, the, the story goes on forever, Bruce, but the short of it is we wrote this song Curb Records came out. I heard about it. It started getting airplay on the local radio station in L.A., on the rock station and the country station, and the band got a record deal. We got signed on Curb Records in L.A. in, I think, 89, and then um, that was my first journey to Nashville. I, I, if you had told me I was going to end up going to Nashville, I would have laughed in your face yeah. because I was, 
I was making money as a session singer. You know, I was, I was, I was playing in all these bands. I was making a pretty good living as a musician, you know, just mm. a full-time musician. I was in demand and, uh, I had no reason to leave. Mm. Uh, but I didn't know I was going to be writing songs and that's a whole nother journey. But, but that I ended up going to Nashville to write songs for the album. And while I was in Nashville, I wrote a song called she'd give anything to fall in love, uh, uh with 1993, which was a hit for my band. And, um, it was also a hit for a R and B singer named Gerald Levert. Yeah. And that kind of opened my eye to like, Oh my God, maybe, maybe there's a life back there. Mm. Maybe, maybe I should be writing songs. More. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, was, it was like an untapped thing for me. And, and so that was my first, that was my first, you know, taking the wagon back East instead well, of West. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know? And I loved it. I fell in love with it. Well, and you know, very early on in this interview, we have an opportunity for a potential teaching moment following what we just heard about your transition from the West coast. I wonder what cautionary advice might you give and or encouragement to anyone listening who's considering a move from their hometown to L.A., New York, or Nashville? Here's the thing. You know, I, you know, I, I sometimes jokingly and, and ser- half seriously try to talk people out of it. I mean, just go to medical schools and do something, <laughs> do something safe, you know, because <laughs> if you're going to get in the music business, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get bruised, you're going to be told that you're terrible. But my real perspective is, is that, that that's the kind of life we all need to, we should all chase after. We should all humble ourselves and let ourselves get pelted and figure out what it is that we are best at. And, and I got so much criticism when I came here because I had this, I had this rock and roll thread going through me in my songs. So when I played them back in the early nineties, when I was playing all my songs for these record companies, they were criticizing me. They'd shut them off halfway through and Mm. they just say, man, this isn't, this is not what's on the radio. <laughs> and so I, I would always, in protest, I would shout out, "I'm going to be the radio one day. You'll mm. see." You know, and I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant at the time, <laughs> but I just knew that I was chasing, chasing my heart. And you got to chase your heart. You can't. My dad always said, like, I got really good at doing Merle Haggard. You know what I mean? I really fell in love with Merle Haggard. I got mm-hmm. really good at impersonating him. And my dad would always come dancing with my mom at the bar I was at. You know, and. He would always dance by and he would tell me I was doing great. And then he'd dance by a second time and say, Hey, you're only, you're only going to ever be the second best Merle Haggard. Mm. (laughs) As quickly as he complimented me, he shot me down. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? He's right. I got, I got to figure out, I got to figure out who Jeffrey Steele is. I got to figure out who I am, the best me. And, and so I always tell everybody, you got to follow. It's so cliche. You got to follow your heart. You obviously can't quit. So many people quit. It's always on the darkest day when, when, <laughs> when something's about to happen. And, mm. and at my lowest, lowest point, when I was getting most criticism, because my songs had a lot of Southern rock influence, and, you know, they're very Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner. That's not what the radio is out here in Nashville, Jeff. You know, you got you to gotta, you gotta go listen to the radio, you know. And, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, at my lowest point, Bruce, I swear to you, the lowest point, out of nowhere, these two hillbillies show up from Kentucky called Montgomery Gentry, mm. and they're looking for songs that have a Southern rock flavor to them. Wow. And by that time, I had, I had amassed a, a warehouse full of songs that had been rejected. <laughs> and they started hearing them and going, oh, my God, these are hit songs. You know, these are hit songs. Mm. And I, w- I literally went like overnight from this guy doesn't know what he's doing to this guy's a genius. Oh, my God, we got to get this guy in the room. You know, <laughs> And that's kind of it. it 
and, and that's the business part of it when, when you, your ego has to go, hey, man, that's how this thing works. You know, like you, you're terrible, you're terrible, and then you're great. Yeah. You, you know, people have to catch up. They have to catch up to what you're doing if you're doing it from your heart because because maybe the timing's not there yet. Maybe maybe the, the roads haven't lined up for you yet in the in the musical uh, scene or, or the culture, whatever's happening in the moment, you know, whatever, whatever the uh, uh, flavor is at that moment. It may not have caught up to what you were doing. And, and so that's that's my biggest advice is to you got to keep it in your heart. But the second piece is that you have to be around a scene. You have to be around like-minded people that are that are trying to do the same thing it's so inspiring when you're with those people over the years like you know people would come up to me and say oh jeff i've got this great song can you get it to rascal flats for me i'm like man i don't i don't hang out with those guys i mean i, don't, <laughs> I mean i know them but i don't i don't i don't hang out with them and call them up on the phone and pitch them songs yeah you know what i mean i write songs for me and then hopefully they like my songs so and i try to tell all these younger kids i said man Whoever is the whoever you're around with in the bars right now, especially in Nashville, whoever these guys and girls are that are singing in the clubs, those are the next Kenny Chesneys, mm-hmm. and those are the next Tim McGraws, and the next Luke Combs, and the next Morgan Wallens. I That's love it. Where they came from. I love it. Yeah, and and you got to you got to go with your peers, and it's going to be your generation. I had my generation of I had a pretty good. I'm still doing it, but I. But, you know, I had a, a, a pretty thick path there of like 15, 16 years where, uh, you know, I was driving the train. And, and then I knew as I started getting older, I got, you know, I'm not going to be driving this train forever. These, these kids, they got to have their own music and their own generation. But I can adapt to what that is by just if I can humble myself and step back a little bit, and just go, mm-hmm. OK, what do these kids want me to do? I'm an old man with a lot of knowledge. You know, <laughs> I'm a smart guy in the room now. I could. <laughs> I could add a lot to a hit song by just sitting there and going, I wouldn't do that if I were you, you know, but, but, you know, and that's my, that's my long-term, you know, advice. You know, you, you have to adapt um, and you have to, you have to love it more than anything. Mm. Um, and you, you have to, it has to be something you die for. It, it's really that the music business is so flaky and it's so random. And it's so, I mean, you know, it's just so it's, it's, it's so fly by night. It yep. changes overnight. And you, you could be the hottest thing going, and then two weeks later, somebody else comes out, and your career's over. Yeah, and, and it's, what have you done for us lately? Exactly. So if, if you can't adapt, or, or you're not writing from your heart, if you're not writing the perspective of life you have, um, then you're, you're, I think you have a limited career capacity. I just do, I think. Uh, or you're, you're always going to be chasing after things, you know, and, and running into walls, as opposed to just staying on a path that's true to you. So that's my biggest advice I give to the younger kids coming up. Like just stay on your path, man, and trust it. Trust that your cross, your crossroad hasn't come yet. And not to mention audience, I hope you caught in there that Jeffrey said it was when he was at his absolute lowest. So I know it's quote unquote easy to quit because you think you're at your absolute lowest. I mean, we all don't know what our lowest really is. We think we know because you get to a point where you say, how much worse can it get? And look at what happened for him. But, you know, I also want to go back to, can you call Rascal Flatts and tell him about this song? Guess what? Rascal Flatts is going to stop cutting Jeffrey's songs if all he does is call them up and say, hey, I think I got another song for you. A buddy of mine asked me to show you this song. And all of a sudden they stop answering his calls. They stop cutting his songs. So Exactly. Exactly. 
that's not the kind of quote-unquote favor you want to call in literally. We're going to hear a lot about songwriting during this conversation, but Jeffrey, you're currently making a new record. What details are you at liberty to disclose at this point relative to, say, is this an EP? Is it a full album? Who's producing it? When might it be out? And so on. It's a full album, and I'm producing it. Um, I, I, I'm usually, you know, have a have a hand in my own production because I'm I'm always been over the years a, a music producer, and and I just have my vision of what I hear. So, but I always bring people in around me that that to, to keep me honest, you know, like so I don't get too full of myself. And uh, the guy working with me on this one is Scott Baggett. He's been with me for. 25 years working on different projects in and out over the years. And we've been kind of haven't seen each other in about 10 years and we're back working together now. Mm. And it's, it's just been a blast, but, it, but it's a band, it's a band that features some people, some people might know Ira Dean um, from the band trick pony and uh, Jeremy Popoff, who's in the band rock band lit. Um, it's the uh, three of us. And then there's a couple other people that are in the band with us. Uh, and that's really all I'm going to say. It's, it's a real pointed project and, and uh, it's really fantastic, and boy, it rocks. <laughs> it just rocks, and 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 um, the songs are pretty darn good. Like we, we've been really taking our time about this project, and and just making sure that we got the songs right more than anything. Because because sometimes you can just jump into a thing and start writing and thinking everything's great, um, but we're really trying to dial it into this project and make sure that the writing of the songs is holding up. So it's taking longer because, like, we'll cut a song like eight months ago and then go, is this really as good as we thought it was when we mm-hmm. first wrote it? Because when you first write it, you think it's the greatest thing ever done. And <laughs> of course. You go back and reflect and go, this is a real turd, you know? <laughs> but that happens a lot. Yeah. And, and so we're giving ourselves, because we can, we're just giving ourselves the time to be real selective about uh, which songs are going to make it, and they'll probably be, be about 12 or 13 tracks. And, so can and, um, you say it will be out in 2023, though, or, or not even go that far? It should be out by the end of the year, December. Okay. Um, okay. And maybe some, something may drop before that, um, hopefully. Um, uh, we're there. I mean, we, we definitely we could do it now, but we just want to make sure that we got what we think we got yeah. and, and, and just, like I said, not rush it too much. Okay. Well, speaking of Jeffrey Steele, the artist, the performer, you will be appearing at the third Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in two weeks in Alabama. Friday night, July 28th, you will be the headliner at Russell Crossroads. I don't know a single songwriter that I've talked to over the years who has not just lit up when I ask them about the experience of playing at a songwriters festival like you'll be doing there that night. Yeah, I, uh, um, it's, I, I have so much fun. Uh, it's it's kind of my life now as a performer, you know, and I have so many stories, obviously I can, I can, I can sit for four hours and tell stories about that. You wouldn't believe about how songs got recorded or how they got changed or how they got dropped and then re-recorded by somebody else. Mm. Some of my biggest hits that every, or, or everybody telling me that it was a dud and, <laughs> and then it ended up being a song of the year. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many inspiring stories. Uh, so every time I get a chance to do it, um, and then and then I bring in all my influences over the years of all the music that's been around me. So my if people that know that have seen my show before, they know it's pretty it's pretty wild and it's pretty uh, it's not the standard songwriter show. It's pretty off the hook and mm. and I and I want it to be that way. I want I want to show people that um, where I came from, what my roots are, the shoulders that I'm standing on as far as my inspirations, and then what that led me to. And, and, uh, and then, and then of course I always try to give hope to, 
anybody coming up trying to do this gig because uh, <laughs> you know, I tell you a great story really quick. I never got much advice. You know, my my dad wanted me to do it. He died young. He died in '87, and mm. but he he gave me that confidence to go out, you know, and just go play, you know. And so uh, years later, or it was you know, probably around maybe a year later. I don't know. Uh, uh, I was playing in a bar in California, and Chris Christopherson was playing there mm. in the bar. Wow! And and I'm like, oh my god my dad's favorite, you know, I, and I, I love Chris, Chris, I gotta, I gotta meet him. I gotta, I gotta ask him what to do. You know, I gotta give him advice. I don't know what to do with my life. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here playing all these club gigs, you know, trying to make 50 bucks here and 50 bucks there. And, and so Chris is in the back alley of the bar after the show, um, with two, with two girls on his arm and a bottle of whiskey and he, and he's getting into a limousine. <laughs> it is in a back alley, in a, in a back alley of the club in North Hollywood. So I run, I'm, you know, I said, Chris, you know, my name's Jeffrey Steele, you know, my dad, you know, my dad loves your man, I love your music, and man, well, can you tell, can you tell me anything? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? You know, and 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 he looks at me, and he he was definitely, you know, he was he was half cocked, you know, he was he was pretty lit up. And, 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 and he looked at me, and he's kind of looked at me with those kind of eyes rolling back and forth, and he's kind of wobbling, and, and the girls are kind of <laughs> holding him up. And he's like, son, never do it for the money. And then he gets into a limousine with <laughs> two girls and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> like the classic, the classic movie scene, you know? Like, so 20-some years later, Bruce, 20-some years later, I was the songwriter of the year. And, you know, you go to the award show and they give you the big trophy, blah, blah. And, and, and that year, Chris Christopherson was being honored as the icon wow. of country music. Wow. At the same year. Wow. So, so we're on stage together. And so, I, the, you know, the first thing I said was, Chris, I'm Jeffrey Steele. He, he goes, I know, congratulations. You know, I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, I met you back in 1980, blah, blah, whatever, that, whatever it was. I can't even remember. But I said, I... I saw you in that back alley you remember he goes oh kid i don't remember anything from back then <laughs> I, he, he he looks at me then he looks at me real seriously he goes what did i say <laughs> I, I said you, i said i said you told me to never do it for the money and he just started belly laughing he's like bah! he's just belly laughing and then he gets really serious again and he looks at me looks at me right now he goes he goes did you do it for the money I said, no, sir. <laughs> and then we all started laughing again. And, and, and that, that, was the, that was the most of the advice I ever got uh -huh. in my music. You know, wow. I, I got other wow. stuff through the years. But, you know, yeah. that was one of those moments that was just indelible. And, 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 and so I try to pass it on everywhere I go to some of these mm. young writers. And that's what I've done on this other side of my career. Wow. I've, I've developed, you know, young songwriters and, and made them successful and helped them. Yeah, so I think that's what you have to do too. You got to you got to try to, you know, share what you know um, with people that really want to do it. And 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 you know, you know, when you meet some kid that really, you know, they're infected with it, and they're not, they're not going to put it down. And, yeah. And, yeah. You know, so you want to you want to just try to steer them down a path, and and again, like let them know it's it's all about your heart and all about. And I tell that Chris Christopherson story. Mm -hmm. I said, man, it's all going to come full circle. You're going to meet yeah. your heroes. It's all going to come back around on you. Just keep doing great work. Just keep it. doing your best work. That's we had come off of talking about the performance that you're going to do at the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival. At this point in your career, 
How do you plan out the amount of time you want to spend going out playing live shows versus songwriting? Is that a proactive versus reactive thing? Is it I'll probably play more live shows than usual when this new record comes out? Walk us through what that all looks like in 2023 for you. That's a good question. I mean, as a songwriter, like, it just kind of comes in as it comes in. Um, so there's, there's some, like some summers I'm working every single day or four to five days a week. I'll be out there on the road and it, it's not because I'm planning it out so much as it's just coming in, Okay, you know, like people are wanting me to come out and do these shows. Uh, sometimes we do plan it out, you know? Um, but I, my whole thing, Bruce, and this is on, again, it goes back to all this stuff all these choices I've made, like whether I wanted to be an artist or a songwriter over the years, I've had so many things that have come my way. I want everything to be as spontaneous as possible. And I, tr I really try to live that way as best I can. Um, so, so when I get to that show, every time I get to that show, it's the first time I've gone up there to do a show. Mm, you, know, you know what I mean? Where wow. I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm just walk, going through the motions and here's song number three and here's yeah. song number four. Um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get, I'm going to get you to that song in a way that's going to make you smile or laugh or cry. Mm. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring faith into it. I'm going to bring tragedy into it. I'm, I'm going to bring all the emotions of what makes us songwriters, you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's a great journey. It's a, and it's very musical cause I'm a, I'm a player, you know, so I, I like to play on stage and, and, um, uh, you know, and all that. So, uh, but basically I mean, basically, I just kind of take it as it comes. When this record does come out, yes, it, you're right, Bruce. It's, it's a different story. Yeah, we may be purposely booking gigs, obviously, to go out and promote the record, as you do, and and uh, I'm sure we will actually. So, but mostly right now, it's just it's it's as it comes. Okay, okay, it's as it comes, you know, as it comes into me. Like this year, we're going to go next week to uh, Israel and uh, Istanbul. Wow. And uh Turkmenistan. Wow. And and Jerusalem to play uh to play some shows and some embassy shows. Hmm. Um at the last minute it's a last minute thing that came in for us. And I said, Man, I gotta go do this. Fantastic. We're gonna go uh Yeah, so hmm. so that's kinda how I roll. I just try to I just try <laughs> to let it happen as it happens and Hopefully it does. <laughs> Doesn't always work perfect, but, uh, you know, you know the deal. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by singer, songwriter, guitar player Jeffrey Steele. Visit his official website at jeffreysteele.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. There is a book, there are CDs, there is merchandise in the shop section of his website. So do check all of that out. You can also purchase downloads of his music from the likes of Apple Music and other online digital music retailers. In addition, his music is streaming on Spotify, so do give him a follow on there. Find and engage with Jeffrey on social media. He is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Look for links on jeffreysteel.com to those different platforms. If you're hearing this episode before July 28th, do make plans to be at his performance as part of the event you heard us talking about. Go to LakeMartinSongwritersFestival.com for more information. Keep up with Jeffrey online as he continues towards the new record you heard him say that he's working on. And stick around because I'm also going to be asking Jeffrey to share about how you can learn songwriting from him. First, though, let me bring back something I was mentioning up until the last, I believe, four episodes 
when I was explaining how you can give feedback on this show through Spotify. I want to instead tell you today about the OWL app. This is not a sponsor. They're not paying me to talk about them. I've just found it to be a really great way to make meaningful connections fast. The founder of the app calls it LinkedIn on steroids, and he's right. This is voice calls that you make through the app with people who you see, experts who are on there that you want to connect with. It saves you the time of having to wait to see if someone's going to accept your connection request or wait to see if they're going to respond to your private message. I'm on there. Daniel Mock, the guest from episode 468, is on there. I've mentioned in the past that someone from the Saw films, the horror series, is on there. There's a podcasting colleague of mine on there. The list goes on. It's Owl, like the bird, except with two W's and two L's. Go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and tap or click anywhere that you see the home link, and then look for the article titled, Help now a phone um, app call away. I've got links in there for you to download the app for free. And my invitation code is in there because that is a required field when you set it up on your phone. Call me on OWL and let's chat. Jeffrey, as I was giving those online destinations of yours, I said that I was going to be asking you about help you give to aspiring writers. You actually have a completely separate website called Jeffrey Steele Academy. Is that all on-demand content, or do aspiring writers actually get to, say, get on Zoom with you or maybe even meet in person for one or more classes? Tell us all about the Academy. Uh, there's tons of on-demand content there, but um, we, we, we do like a actual school um, uh, online where, where I get on with the students. Wow. And we talk, and, you know, we, we talk about lyrics, and we talk about we talk about life and we talk about what this thing is, you know, and my motto, my motto is think like a writer. If you're a songwriter, you have to think like a songwriter all the time. Mm. You have to be an observer. So that that's like one of the main things I try to hit is that your whole life is to be the guy with the binoculars standing there and the microscope looking at everything. Mm. You know, you're, you're the guy that's documenting society right now. Even, even if it's a silly love song, you're documenting emotions and, and, and culture and, and all, you know, and I, and I try to, I try to stick with the, you know, the, 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 the obvious to get people. And I, and I always say to get people to the profound part, you know, you have to be wrapped around the obvious part. You have to mm -hmm. get what the obvious is. And, and so anyway, I haven't been online. I, I honestly, it's been a, almost a year now because we've just been touring so I haven't been able, you know, usually my daughter Casey and I run this thing and it's a, it's a very, very interactive, uh, uh, school where, um, you get to talk to me and, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to get to hear your song and I might bash you and tell you that it's terrible. Or I might tell you it's great or what it's great about it. But, but the, the bottom line is to get you thinking that your song is not that precious and you just have to keep slamming down the iron. You, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you just have to keep doing it. Uh, a really quick classic story of mine was I wrote this song called What Hurts the Most. <laughs> in 1999, I wrote this song about my father. Hmm. And when I played it for people in Nashville, they would immediately shut it off. Wow. And tell me, Jeff, you know, this song is slow. It's four minutes long. And it's sad. The kids want to dance. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, I would hear that from every record company. <laughs> But then I'd go in the bar and I'd play it and everybody would cry and they would mm. love it and tell me that they lost somebody and they wanted to hear it again. Wow. And you know what I mean? So I, start, I started to see the picture of my life, like my life 
what I'm doing is affecting people that are in the real world, mm. not these guys wearing suits. And then, you know, eight years later, this is one of the biggest songs in the world. <laughs> and, and, and I can't tell you that I knew that was going to happen, but I knew it was an impacting song. Yeah. And it, but, it, but at some point, even, even though I knew it was a huge song in my mind, I had to throw it over my shoulder and just keep getting better. Mm. I took the criticism and went, well, maybe I just need to write a better song. Wow. Maybe that song's not good enough. Wow. And maybe I'll just keep, you know, chiseling away and trying to invent a better pancake, as it were. You know, just keep <laughs> flipping pancakes is what I tell people, you know. And, and so that's what the school is about. It's, it's, about, it's about letting people know that you may already be there. You may already be there, but you, you just have to keep pounding the iron and just keep doing the work. The work and, and, and one another quick and I, and every, anytime I get a chance to talk to songwriters years ago, I went, I went to the uh, Michelangelo museum um, in, in Florence, Italy. Mm. I was on a songwriting trip. And I, I, when I got in the room and I saw the statue of David, I, I literally broke down in tears at how amazing it was. Wow. You know, just a masterpiece. It's an absolute masterpiece. And as I walked around the room, everywhere I looked, from a different angle, he, the statue of David, he looked younger, he looked older, he looked mm. wiser, he looked naive. You know what I mean? Wow. All the emotions were wow. caught in the carving. And, and, and then when I walked outside of the museum into the back area, I saw about 2,000 different size models of the statue of David that Whoa. he chipped on. You know oh what I mean? Gosh. He was practicing, oh practicing... Gosh practicing to get to that moment where he chipped the final one. And I think songwriting is the same thing. You just, you just keep stamping these things until you figure out what your method and your, you know what I mean? How it yeah, all lines up yeah. for you with, with how you, how you present your words, how, how you tell your stories, how your music flows. It, it's, it's a process you, you can only learn by just, just knowing that you just got to keep writing songs and, and you can't be precious to one certain song. You just have to keep, you have to keep getting the reps, keep trying to get better. And that's my, that's my best advice I can give to all the people yeah. out there that, are, that, that dare jump into this profession. <laughs> While we're still talking about the Academy, let's sneak in one bonus question here before we move on. I saw a quote from you that said, there are songs all around you. You just have to listen. So can you give some advice to the young songwriter who goes into a write and they kind of understand that there are going to be some quiet periods in that room, but maybe give them some guidance as to finding that line between staying too silent because maybe they're too afraid that their idea isn't good and talking too much. Yeah. Okay. This is a good one. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, for me, I'm just going to speak for myself, but there's a lot of faith involved for me. Um, um, I believe that when I'm in the room, it's going to happen and, and I got to wait for it to happen. It's going to manifest. There's ways to get to it, but I can't be overwhelmed with what I've written down on my phone or are they going to like me? Uh, classic story. I get a phone call from Zach Brown and he wants to come over and write a song. And, um, he's in town to play a show that night at the Ryman auditorium. Mm -hmm. And he's got two hours to kill before his show, uh, you know, before sound check. Mm. So he comes over, I don't have any ideas. <laughs> and, um, we, he gets to my, he gets to my studio and we just start jamming and we just start jamming. We're jamming some Stevie Ray Vaughan. We're jamming some blues and mm. we're just talking about music, you know, and, 
And I just kind of wrote it off like, well, you know, you only got two hours. We're not going to really get anything done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I got to meet Zach. Maybe we'll get up at another time. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was kind of like thinking in my head, it's just going to be whatever it's going to be. I'm just trying to stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to. And, and I'm, but I'm just hoping that something's going to come down in the conversation, in the room, in the jam session as we're sitting there. Sure. That's what I always do. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he's, we stop jamming. He starts telling me a joke. Right. So I start telling him a joke and it turns into us telling jokes to each other. And then at some point, and I always tell this story in my show, but at some point uh, I had no jokes left except this one joke that my dad used to tell. It was a stupid joke. It was the stupidest joke ever. And it's all I had left. And it was how deep is a lake with frogs in it. And Zach just looked at me and went, what? I'm like, how deep is the lake with frogs in it? And he's like, I don't know. And I said, knee deep, you know, knee deep, like a frog croaking, you know, knee deep. And, and he didn't laugh. Uh, and, then, and then he looked at me and said, that's a great idea for us all. Wow. And then we wrote knee deep. Wow. In about 30 wow. minutes, we wrote knee deep, which is Crazy. one of the biggest songs Zach Brown had, you know, Crazy. And with Jimmy Buffett, you know, mm. <laughs> man, oh, man. but you have to trust the room. You have to trust the room. You have to trust that something's going to come down. Um, you just, you just, you start a conversation and you, and you, and you, uh, you start playing, you just start playing and, and you don't worry about what's on your phone so much. You know, like it, I'm not it. saying don't do that, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but trust, trust the room you're in that something's going to happen. Yeah. You just, you just stay alert and you're, and you're playing and you're talking some great idea is going to fall out of the sky. I love and it. That's kind of how I've always looked at it. You're practicing what you're preaching because earlier on we talked about being present in the moment just now. And you said, this is just you and I right now talking, Bruce. This is all that's happening right now. And so there you are. Okay, I got two hours with Zach Brown. I'm just going to be present in the moment. And like you said, you availed yourself to there's going to be a song in the room and not getting too overwhelmed by that moment. So I, I love it. I have not been mentioning this, but you also have a publishing company called Three Ring Circus Music. I'm sure you get unsolicited submissions quite regularly, but I'm thinking that like most publishers, you probably go looking for writers. You're not looking for them to come to you. Is that in fact the case? And if so, what gets the attention of Jeffrey Steele in terms of a writer that you decide to approach on behalf of Three Ring Circus? Uh, uh, Yes, sir. By the way, that's right. And, 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 and what gets me, um, I'll tell you, um, it's one of those, it's, it's just a gut thing, and, and it's knowing my journey, I think, is the biggest thing. I, knowing what journey, I had so much criticism uh, in the early days, and people trying to shift what I was doing, you know what I mean, and trying to, try to make me into a different kind of songwriter. Uh. Uh, uh, and I'm so glad that I, stu- I mean, I have so many stories I can tell you uh, about that. There's so much to speak on. That's why I love to teach uh, to these kids, you know. Um, but a case and example, there's this kid named Adam James. Eight years ago, my daughter came to me. Um, my daughter runs my company with me. And she's like, man, I just saw this guy. It might even be nine years by now. It could even be 10. It is 10. It's 2013. Mm-hmm. She says, there's this guy, Adam James. Um, he's so good. Oh my God, he's so good, Dad. You got to sign him. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm just rolling my eyes. You know? <laughs> she takes me to, she takes me to see him, and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's Roger Miller. He's like a new version of Roger Miller. Wow. There's nobody like this guy. Wow. He's really quirky, 
I don't, I don't know what his, when his time is going to be because this is not what's going on in country music right now. But this guy has got a really great handle on lyrics at a very young age. You know, so I, I, just, I just looked at Casey, my daughter, I said, let's sign him. Let's sign him right wow. now. Let's get, wow. him in, let's get him in the room and, and develop. You know, let's, let's get him in the room and see what we can do to help him hmm. and, and to get him on track. And, 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 and we did that. And, and eight years later, I hung on to him with, for eight years because I just knew it just, like I was telling you earlier, those crossroads have to line up and you mm-hmm. never know when that's going to be. You just never know when the, when the, the music is going to change, but it always changes. There's always somebody that drives a new force into the sound that changes the sound. There's always one or two people that do that. And, you know, it's like every 10 years, eight to 10 years it happens. Yeah. And you can just go back through time and just look at, you know, when Kenny Rogers was hot, when Merle Haggard was hot, when Dwight Yoakam was hot, mm-hmm. when Vince Gill was hot, when Garth Brooks was hot, when the Dixie Chicks were hot, Luke Bryan. You, know, you, you, you could see the, the little, you know, the eras of time mm-hmm. where the music shifted. And so that's, that's how I always look at it. So anyway, he came in one day and it's like, it's like eight years later, Bruce. And he, he plays me this song called knowing you. And it was just the most amazing song I ever heard. And then, and then two weeks later we found out Kenny Chesney cut it. Mm. And then it ended up being his first number one, first number one song eight years after he wow. had been signed. And he'd wow. probably been in town for, for, for 12 years. Mm. And that's what you have to just, you have to just relinquish to that. And then there was another girl named Parker Welling. I, I heard this song. I'm not sure if you're familiar with an artist by the name of Russell Dickerson. He's had a few number ones in country music. And, and Russell was a guy that was coming by my studio just to hang out with all the writers that I had. Cause he, he knew everybody. And he was a wannabe guitar player, kind of like Keith Irving kind of guy mm-hmm. trying to get a record deal, trying to be a songwriter and, and get some great songs and get a record deal. And one day he brings in this song and it's called yours. And I put it on. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Cause this is the number one song. Mm. He's like, thank you, man. I said, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not patting <laughs> you on the back. I'm just telling you, this is the number one song. What are you doing? He goes, we're going to get promoted on serious radio. This is, the, this is back like almost eight, nine years ago now. Mm. So, so the formats were a little bit different, mm-hmm. but it came out on, it came out on serious radio it shot to the top of the charts mm. and he wasn't signed yet, but it, then it kind of petered out and it, it really didn't, it really didn't do what it probably could have done because he, he just didn't have a team together working with him. Mm. And I was, I was so bummed out. And, and, and I, I said, who did you write this song with? Because I wrote, wrote it with a girl named Parker Welling. I said, I got to meet Parker Welling. Uh. And so I, I got her number. I found out who she was and I called her up. I said, Parker, you wrote this song with Russell Dickerson, yours. She goes, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, this is, this is like a number one, huge number one song. She goes, yeah, well, it just kind of came out on the radio, but it didn't do, I said, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that. <laughs> this is a number one song. It just, it just has to, it has to be set up properly because it's an industry. You, 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 you can't just slap something out there. Sometimes you can, but you know, the deal, like yeah. you gotta, you gotta jump through the hoop sometimes yep. you gotta make it happen. So anyway, long story short, I, I just kept going on and on and on. And I, I played the song for a couple of other record producers for a couple of other artists to record. Mm -hmm. And every record producer said back to me, "Eh, I don't know. It sounds like it's a Christian song. I don't really think it's a number one country song. I said, I'm telling you, this song's going to be huge. And they kind of shut the door. And then through, through a magic fate, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) Russell and 
to sign him with this new record company. Norbert Nix was an old friend of mine. And he called me up. He goes, Jeff, have you heard that song Russell wrote called Yours? I said, dude, it's a number one song. <laughs> he goes, I think the same thing. Mm. He goes, I'm going to repackage it and re-release it. Wow. And he did. And it went number one. And by that time, we had signed Parker to a deal. And Parker ended up writing four number one songs in a row for him. Oh. And then went off to write went off to write a couple for Red Akins and, and she went off, you know, and got a new deal. I sent her on her way and, and um, she's now a hot writer in Nashville. Mm. So that's, that's what I try to look for. I try to look for people um, that are so unknowingly passionate about what they do. They just don't know any better. Yeah. They yeah. don't know any better. Wow. Some people, some people are just trying to make a million dollars and, mm. and I, I don't have any, I don't, I don't have anything to tell those people. I, <laughs> I, I wish them luck. And, and, and I, I know that it's a valid, this is a valid industry where you can do that. You can, you can jump on anybody's train, do what everybody else is doing. And you can figure out a niche. If you, if you work hard enough, you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. But I, I just gravitate towards people that they remind me of my journey. And I, and I just want to help those people. I'm yeah. Like, I like that. She's so good. He's so good. How can I help develop them and, get, and shortcut them a little bit mm. and make sure they don't change. And another one to look forward to Stephen Wilson, Jr. I think he's one of the greatest new artists out there today. Um, uh, his record's about to drop, I think in September. Um, he's one of the greatest new songwriters, um, artists. He reminds me of a, young Tom Petty or a Bruce Springsteen mm. in, in his depth and his, his, his master of the language and, and more than, and more than either one of those guys. And this is a big statement. Um, more than either one of those two guys, icons, he's a master musician, um, uh, beyond either one of them. Mm. He, he, you know what I mean? Like he, he has a, he has a scope of music theory that's beyond belief, but, wow. he's, but he's very, very, he's very, very salt of the earth guy. And his lyrics reflect that. And I just think he's going to be, you know, hopefully you just never know where the roads are going to go. But I think he potentially could be one of the biggest uh, artists of wow. our time. Wow. I just got my eye on him and, and he's one of my dear friends now. And I just, I, you know, I just been kind of, I just keep telling you to like, just stay who you are, man. Just, just keep figuring out who you are as you evolve through the years. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Yeah. Be observant of what everybody else is doing, sure, but sure. don't try to be, you know what I mean? Because you right. have to know what's going on out there. That's right. Yeah. And folks, Jeffrey and I are just meeting for the first time, but you can hear the passion in his voice. And, you know, Jeffrey, I really sense your heart that comes through on, on everything that you're talking about. And helping songwriters oh, is just one of the initiatives that's important to you. Charity is also a big part of your life. Can you talk about some of the giving back that you do as well as the Alex Lavasser Memorial Fund? Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, my my son was killed in 2007, in January of 2007, in a uh, ATV accident that was just a freak accident. And um, yeah, you know, obviously um, my life changed uh, in a second. And which is another thing I tell people: everything in your life happens in one second, mm. good or bad, good or bad. It's all in that one second in the moment. You know what I mean? So you have to stay in tune with that. But, but when that tragedy struck me, uh, Bruce, I, I mean, you talk about, uh, that year, that year I had probably the most insane successful year as a songwriter. I had, I had like 11 songs 
hit songs that came out that year. I mm. think seven of them were number ones. Wow. The rest were number twos. You know what I mean? Wow. And they were only number twos because they were behind my number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how crazy the year was for me. And so that when I, I was the songwriter of the year that year, and I had the song of the year that year, mm. uh, I, was, I was on my own as a publisher. I just started my own company. It was blowing up. I had three or four songwriters that were having hit songs. I mean, I was everything. I was the man. Yeah. And then my boy died. Wow. And, and uh, I'm sitting there at the award show at a table with Carrie Underwood and Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears. Mm. You know what I mean? The, the guest, I'm the guest of honor. And it, it was the lowest point of my life. Wow. And I'm being celebrated as, the, as, the, as this great songwriter, mm. blah, blah, right? So um, it's taken me a long time. But you, you, you learn to take that tragedy and you try to make it good for other people. So... I wanted to honor my son's name. We started this amazing charity in 2008 that's grown now. It's been 16 years this year that he's been gone. And um, we've developed this uh, amazing charity in his honor that um, that's a scholarship program for, for kids at risk, kids that don't have a place to go after school. Mm. We, we've opened up these music centers and some of the YMCA's around Nashville and other places mm. where they can go and make music and video um, just doing the, the things that he loved to do, basically. And what, it, what it's done, though, Bruce, more than anything, like we've been able to raise all this money, and I, and I do the event every year in March called Jeffrey Steele and Friends. This year we had Jelly Roll, we had Rascal Flats, we had mm. Dan and Shay. Um, wow. uh, people come out and support it because they, they see what an what a honest little thing it is and, and, and where the money's going. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we partnered up with Tony Hawk, the skateboard uh, icon, and yeah. we've been building skate parks. Nice. In, in, in areas that wouldn't normally get something like that. So just trying to do great stuff, Bruce, more than any of it. It's pointed me towards countless other charities mm -hmm. um, that I've been able to be a part of for other people. And it's, mm -hmm. brought, it's brought people into my life that have completely changed my life and mm -hmm. put me on track. To, to know that my life is about taking my bad and trying to make it good for mm. anybody I meet anywhere. Beautiful. And 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 I, I think it's a good it's a good secret for life. I think and and uh, it's a one, only one I know. It's the only one I know. So it's the one that I'm chasing. And um, it it feels pretty good. Feels yeah. pretty good yeah. to. It doesn't take your pain away, but it but it feels pretty good to see kids smiling. That's a pretty neat thing. So, no doubt. No doubt. A lot of a lot of people hurting out there in the world. Oh, that's the understatement. Yeah. Just to lighten things up a bit, I've been referring to you as a singer, songwriter, guitar player, but I believe you not only play keyboards too, but I read that back in 1991, the California Country Music Association dubbed you best bassist. <laughs> to what extent do you play keyboards and bass these days, perhaps as it relates to your new record that you were talking about? What instruments are you playing on there, for example? I play all of it all the time. So wow. I, I wow. My, my my first instrument was was piano. So so I started. Uh. Um, that's always been um, the backbone of I think of most of my playing. But um, I be, I became a bass player by default <laughs> because I started to see that nobody had nobody had anybody that in a band that could sing and play bass. It, it was a really good position to take in, to keep yourself working in a band. So I learned how to play bass and I fell in love with it. It became my instrument and hmm. um, I still play, I still play all the time in the studio. You know what uh, I mean? I'm, okay. I'm always playing in the studio. Okay. But, uh, yeah. 
Well, I knew we weren't even going to be able to do your career justice today with this interview, despite its feature <laughs> length. As we get ready to wind down, all the cuts you've gotten, all the airplay on radio and television, the awards you've received and been nominated for, if you were to try to pick a top highlight or two from your music career, would it would they, in fact, be something along those lines? Or could this possibly be a case of, you know what, Bruce, I'm actually most proud of... For example, a solo record I did, or I'm most proud of my publishing company, or uh, maybe it's a memorable performance that you gave. What might your answer be if you were trying to pinpoint a top highlight or two from the tremendous career that you've enjoyed in music? Well, I don't know if it's the uh, I don't know if it's the answer that people might want to hear, but for but for me, it's letting myself trust myself and go through everything I needed to go through to get to a place now where I love what I do more than anything. Like, like it means more to me now than it's ever meant, but, mm. but to be, but to be able to give myself the roads and the rope to fail over and over again, to figure stuff out that, that, that makes impact on people, whether I'm on stage, whether I'm in the studio, creating something, uh, or whether I'm just out talking, you know, like, like I, I go out and speak a lot to, mm-hmm. to kids just, and it's just, it's not even about music. It's just about life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's the thing I, I, I'm most proud of just being able to listen to the voices that go, man, just keep walking this road. I know this road is, doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It's very, it's, you're hurting and you're broken, but just keep walking, man. Just keep walking the road and stay in the moment and watch what happens, watch what happens, you know, and I, I trust in God and, and, I, and I really do. And, and it always, sh- things show up for me all the time. Um, uh, and sometimes I, it'll, it'll, I'll just shake my head and go, wow, wow. I was just thinking about that two weeks ago and, and here it is, mm-hmm. you know, and I just got stories upon stories about that. But I think that's the one thing I hold on to most is that I've, I've let myself let the journey be the guide, be, yeah. be, be, be I've, I've just let myself be pulled. Well, and that's that heart that I talked about. But there's times when you when you got it when you got to get up and you got to run through walls and you got to pull things through. But I've tried to just let myself get pulled, and and here's my life, and here's let's go down this road, let's just go see where it goes, and let's let's see what happens, you know. And and um and I've tried to stay in that. As you know, you can't do it perfectly, but I try to do that, and and consciously wake up and go, okay, what where, what's going to happen? Let's what's going to happen to us today? Where's this going to go? You know, where's this going to take us and, and how can we make it good for everybody that we see out there, you know, and, and bring us, you know, like my, my late great friend, Billy block who passed away, this drummer I knew for years. And we ended up kind of moving to Nashville at the same time when he used to say, man, if you see somebody without a smile, give them one of yours, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that always stuck with me. It just stuck with me. And, yeah. and uh, I think that if people need, it, and, and you know, when you're a musician and I don't, I don't know about you, if you play or not, and, uh, but when you're a musician and stuff, it, it, it's easy to take for granted, you know, like what we do and some of the abilities that we have. But but then you, when you get out there in the world and you start seeing the effect the music has on people and you realize that not everybody has that kind of a musical thread in their in their body, but they feel it. But they always know it when mm. they feel it. You you get a sense of like, man, man, I got to make the most of this. I got to I got to I got to figure out how to. You know, if, if I'm making people feel good or feel something, that's a good thing. I yeah. think that's a good thing, yeah. right? So I chase that. 
Yeah, and that's the answer that comes from the heart, because those that go with their head, they're going to say the obvious thing. Well, Bruce, I talked earlier about Rascal Flatts, what hurts the most. Or, you know, I mean, folks, Jeffrey has written songs for Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, Trace Atkins, Montgomery, John, the list goes on. And it's really refreshing to hear an answer like that of that would be what jumps out to him as a highlight. And as I say, it's, it's coming from his heart and not from his head, because otherwise the the knee-jerk reaction, the programmed response is one of those number one songs or all of those number one songs. We're going to close with another one of Jeffrey's original songs, one called My Town. Jeffrey, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Um, uh, well, the reason why I chose it was... Um... I wrote it a month and a half after 9-11. It's an older song. And um, I was in Durango, Colorado at a festival. And uh, I'd been driving through a bunch of small towns to get there. And was just, you know, ev- everywhere I went, I saw the same thing. And, 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 and knowing what had happened on September 11th and, and seeing New York City was kind of come together. All those communities came together like a little small town would come together like in a tornado. And, and, so I was talking to my friend, my co-writer, Reed Nielsen, about that. And um, we started talking about that. We started talking about that small town mentality that it's, it's an American thread that is so unique to our culture and to who we are uh, and, and to want to help other people, you know, and, and especially in a tragedy. That's what we do. You know, that, that's that core of what this country does. Um, and, and we surely get blamed for not being the best all the time. And, and, and I just think that American people um, in general, as I travel the country, blow my mind with the kindness that they have and, mm. and the generosity that they have and they show. And so anyway, we started writing about, you know, small town America. And um, something happened to me that day. Something happened to me that day as a songwriter. I took out my guitar to tune my guitar like I always do. I always play this little riff when I take my guitar out. Mm. And as I was doing it, my co-writer, Reed, looked at me and asked me what I was playing. I said, I'm not playing anything. I'm just tuning my guitar. <laughs> and he looks at me. He goes, well, he goes, play it. He goes, play that like you're playing a banjo. So I started finger picking this little thing that I do, you know, mm. the stupid thing I always do when I tune my guitar. I started, I started finger picking it. Wow. And all of a sudden this canvas shows up. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that, it makes sense. Like, wow. I just saw this wide open canvas wow. in front of me. And we start. We started talking about New York, and we started talking about small town America, and my rental car drive to get there to Durango, mm. and all the little towns, and and it became uh, such an impactful song. And still, over the year, everywhere I go, everybody knows this song in America. Um, and it's not even about that. It's about. It's about. I think more importantly that, that there was a, there was a so, the songwriter part of me. It's happened to me so many times, and again, it's stuff I can talk about all day long, but something woke up inside of me as a songwriter and, and where I understood what I was doing in mm. that moment. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and when we wrote the song, how it kind of fell out, um, it, it, I started seeing things in a different way and, and, and a perspective mm. on what I was doing as a writer. Amazing. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, I, I got to a crossroads. Like yeah. I always say, I got to a crossroad yeah. where I got what I was doing. Oh, this is me. This is me. Mm. This is what I do. And I think that's why this song holds a lot of, uh, for me still, you know, it means a lot to me. So cool. So So cool. (laughs) 
Jeffrey, so wonderful to have you. you on the show. My gosh, thank you so much for making thank time you, to sir. be on Now Hear This Entertainment. This was truly, truly wonderful, and I really enjoyed the time. Thank you for making time to talk to me today. Thank you, Bruce. It's been an honor, and uh, anytime, buddy, we'll, we can do a part two anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, may I take you up on that. I, really I may do. take you up on that. Folks, right, with you. that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Watch this. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Jeffrey Steele. Do visit his official website at jeffreysteele.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. You also heard him talk about the help available for aspiring songwriters. I'm also going to put a link to that website of his, which is jeffreysteeleacademy.com. You heard us talking about the new record that Jeffrey is working on. Keep up with him online for details as he works toward the release of that project. On jeffreysteel.com, you will see links to connect with him on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Plus, do find him on Instagram as well. For that matter, tell Jeffrey you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that there is a book, there are CDs, there is merchandise in the shop section of jeffreysteel.com. Purchase downloads of his music from Apple Music and other online digital music retailers, and give him a follow on Spotify as well. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Jeffrey and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 491. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Jeffrey Steele. This is the one he just talked about. It's called My Town. There's a for sale sign on a big old rusty tractor. You can't miss it. It's the first thing that you see. Just up the road, a pale blue water tower. With I love Jenny painted in bright green. Yeah, that's my Uncle Ray there by the courthouse He'll be lowering the flag when the sun goes down Yeah, this is my town na 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 Yeah, this is my town na 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 Where I was born, where I was raised Where I keep all my yesterdays Where I ran off, cause I got mad And it came to blow Still blows every day at noon. Now there's a bunch of us still go down to the diner and wonder if that interstate's still coming through. I come Sunday morning service at the Church of Christ. Well, there ain't an empty seat to be found. 
This is my town. 